Amen. I turn your attention this morning to the book of Job, chapter 12. I want to say thank you to uh, Brother Richie and to the Goldens and Brother Harry, Justin and Melissa LeBlanc and all the people that work to um, get this building turned around so that we could have service here today. Amen. It was like a war zone this week and so we're not sure if we can get the foyer accessible for everybody, but they did a great job getting everything squared away so that we could have service here today and you could still go in and see the foyer and see all that's being done there. Amen. And uh, I appreciate all their work, all the volunteers, everybody that worked so hard uh, to just transform the building. Amen. We have learned that it's easier to tear everything up than it is to put it back together. <laughs> took one week to tear it all up now we're gonna spend a few weeks putting it all together and new tiles coming in this week going down that foyer and uh the entire area they, they were able to break up they had a cool little machine that came in and chiseled and they drove it like a big lawnmower and it chiseled up over ten thousand square feet of tile and and ground up all the thin set and made it all smooth so that they can lay down the new tile and uh, you wouldn't even believe what that lady's bathroom over there looks like don't even venture over there it just they've taken it down to the studs there's nothing left of it but just the structure and they're gonna redesign and re-beautify that it's gonna be amazing you're gonna think you're at the Ritz Carlton I hope that doesn't stop you from worshiping hope you'll still be able to worship Amen. But uh, we're excited. I think it honors God when you do everything you can to make his house as beautiful as possible. Solomon did it, and it honored God, and God's presence was there. Amen. We want his presence more than anything. And uh, we're excited about this. Appreciate all the work so many people are doing. They're going to be working on this second foyer and uh, doing the same thing. Once they have that glass wall up, they'll be able to take down that wall and that foyer will be expanding cafe is going to be expanding we're going to be putting in glass doors on that outside wall and putting up canopies and having a pavers out there we're going to have a little outdoor area where you can um, enjoy um, your breakfast or a brunch or whatever we're going to have a, a nice little place there indoors or outdoors to be able to enjoy the good fellowship of god's people amen so many things that are happening platform's going to be all different this big screen right here that wall and that wall is also going to be a big screen the whole thing is going to be one big massive screen and then dick size is doing all kind of wayne's coating that's going to go all the way around here it's going to be like a big frame and it's going to be like you're at the new york city opera house it's going to be unbelievable it's going to be unbelievable man the only thing they're fighting me on is I want to put electric buzzers in all the new seats. I can just hit a switch and everybody will jump. They're talking about there being some liability issues or something. I don't know. <laughs> Amen. But God is good. We're excited about this. They've given us a date of... Uh, February the 24th for all of our new seats to be in and um, 
course, the carpet's already been ordered. It's going to be coming in. We'll probably be laying that down the week before the new chairs come in. But it's going to be amazing. We'll be able to seat 1,150 people. So we're going to have lots of elbow room. We're going to have plenty of room to grow. When they were taking down these, the brick wall out front here, they took down a couple of keystones, and the contractor gave me the, the keystones, the, the blocks that are at the top of the windows that the bricks go up to. And he handed me those. He said, save those. I said, what are those for? He said, that's for when we build a building across the street. We'll put those keystones in it. It'll tie it into this one. <laughs> I said, man, I like the way you think. I don't know if he's got a vision or he just wants more business, but I think it's good either way. Amen. Job chapter 12. Isn't God good? Verse 17. He leadeth counselors away spoiled and maketh the judges fools. Boy, isn't that the truth? He looseneth the bonds of kings and girdeth their loins with a girdle. He leadeth princes away spoiled and overthroweth the mighty. Don't ever doubt who's in charge, folks. He removeth away the speech of the trusty and taketh away the understanding of the aged. He poureth contempt upon princes and weakeneth the strength of the mighty. He discovereth, there's that word again. That's our theme for this whole month is discover. To literally make something appear again that perhaps we have not seen or heard in a while. He discovereth deep things out of darkness and bringeth out to light the shadow of death. He increaseth the nations and destroyeth them. He enlargeth the nations and straighteneth them again. He taketh away the heart of the chief of the people of the earth and causeth them to wander in a wilderness where there is no way. They grope in the dark without light. He maketh them to stagger like a drunken man. I want to speak this morning on this subject, rediscover the wander. Not the wonder, the wander. Rediscover the wander. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we're so thankful for your spirit, for your presence, your anointing that we feel in this house. Thank you, Lord, that once again you have come and you have gathered with us, Lord, and you've come here to do a great work today. And so, God, we open our hearts and minds to you. And Lord, we say we want this we want this place to be a habitation of your presence. We want your spirit to abide here, Lord, as it did in Solomon's temple. And we ask God that you give us courage to respond to your word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. All my life, you know, I'm, I, I was raised in church. My father pastored uh, from the day I was born. I, I, I have heard it taught and then I've preached it many times myself that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. How many of you heard that term? They wandered, they wandered in the wilderness. Uh, numerous places in the scriptures we read about this, uh, not only where the account is given, of course, in Exodus, but even after the fact, Numbers, uh, Job, Psalms, it seems that, that every time that it's mentioned, this wandering in the wilderness, that it seems to be, uh, in concert or in connection with the displeasure of God. That it's never His will for us to wander in a wilderness. So we know that it's not His plan or His purpose for, for 
us as his creation to wander. I became interested in this as I studied the children of Israel and the fact that they wandered for 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness. To me, if you go into a wilderness, you want to get out of the wilderness as soon as you can. But to wander for 40 years, what caused them to wander? And then to juxtapose that story into you and I in our everyday life, it began to make me think, what makes people today wander, drift aimlessly, make bad decisions, wrong choices? What are the indicators? Because if we can rediscover or re-examine what those indicators are, what those factors are, then we can avoid them. We can stay away. We can make the right decisions and stay on track. Because so many times we start out on track, but we lose our way in the process. Such is the story of a young man by the name of Christopher McCandless. In May of 1990, he graduates with high honors from Emory University. Shortly afterwards, he rejects his conventional life by destroying all of his credit cards and identification documents. He donates nearly all of his savings and sets out on a cross-country drive in his Datsun 210 to experience life in the wilderness. He does not tell his parents, Walt and Billy McCandless, or his sister, Karine, where he's going or what he's going to do. He refuses to keep in touch with them. And this decision causes his parents increasing amount of anxiousness and eventually desperation. But as he begins this journey west, disconnected from society, he ends up out in Lake Mead and his car is caught in a flash flood causing him to abandon him. He begins hitchhiking. He burns what remains of his cash and assumes a new name, Alexander Supertramp. That's his new name. He arrives in Carthage, South Dakota and works for a contract harvesting company owned by Wayne Westerberg and, and he is forced to leave after Westerberg is arrested for satellite piracy and then he travels on the Colorado River and though he's told by park rangers that he may not kayak down the river without a license, he ignores their warnings and paddles down river until he eventually arrives in Mexico. There his kayak is is lost in a dust storm and he crosses back into the United States on foot. He's unable to hitch a ride so he travels on freight trains to Los Angeles and not long after arriving he starts feeling corrupted by modern civilization and decides to leave and later he's forced to resume hitchhiking after trying to be a hobo and, and going from freight car to freight car but eventually being run out of that by the railroad police and then in April of 1992 he decides he's going to make a go in the wilderness of Alaska so he, remind, he, he arrives in a remote area just north of the Denali National Park and the stranger that gave him a ride there noted that he didn't really have the equipment to go out into the wilderness of Alaska so he saw he wasn't prepared and he offered to lend him a pair of boots so he took it and, and he travels into the wilderness and he sets up a campsite in an old abandoned city bus that he calls the magic bus. 
At first he's content with the isolation and the, the beauty of nature that's around him, the thrill of living off the land. He hunts with a 22 caliber rifle. He reads books. He keeps a diary of his thoughts and, and he prepares himself for a new life in the wild. But four months later, at the abandoned bus, life for McCandless becomes harder. And he makes several poor decisions. As his supplies begin to dwindle, he realizes that nature is also harsh and uncaring. He concludes that true happiness can only be found when shared with others. Be nice if you could discover that without having to live in an abandoned bus for four months in the wilderness of Alaska. He seeks now to return from the wild to his friends and his family. However, he finds that the stream he has crossed during the winter has become wide, deep, and violent due to the snow that now is thawing. He's unable to cross, and he goes back to his little bus. He returns there, not sure what he can do. And in a desperate act, he's forced to gather and to eat roots and plants. He confuses similar plants and he eats a poisonous one by mistake and then he falls sick, slowly dying in his magic bus. He continues to document his process of self-realization and, and imagines his family for the last time and he, he writes a farewell to the world and crawls into his sleeping bag to die. Two weeks later, his decomposed body is found by moose hunters. Years ago I read that story in a book titled Into the Wild written by John Krakauer and since then they've made a movie about it. And as crazy as that story seems, and as foolish of a journey as this young man embarks upon, a young man with a lot of promise and a lot of potential, as foolish as it seems, I believe that we should pause today and consider that this is a journey that many people take, spiritually speaking, every single day. Every single day. And the result is oftentimes the same. It's not any different than Christopher. But if we could rediscover what we probably already know, but maybe we can be reminded. What makes us wander? What is it that we can do to avoid the mistakes? Those things that steal years and years of our life and many times ends up taking our life. We can rediscover the wander today and turn it into wonder and realize that there are some things that we have become aware of that it's easy to take for granted until it's gone. I thought about this young man, he got across that river, thought it was so beautiful when he crossed it, then he, it became the barrier and he couldn't get back. Once he found out that the path he was on was, on the, was the wrong path, he couldn't get back over. And sin is like that, it'll always hold you longer than you planned on staying, and it'll take you further than you ever planned on going. And then try to block your path to ever get back. Both Job and Psalms describes the wander as having no way. In Job, we read it in our text, but Psalms 107.40 also says, He poured contempt upon princes and 
causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. It is true that sin is a dead end. That it will box you in and there is no way. But I want to remind someone today, if not for you, maybe it's for a friend or a family member. As long as there's breath, there's hope. There's hope. And when the enemy says, there's no way, you're always going to act like that, you're always going to think like that, you're always going to have the same bad habits, I rise today to say that the devil is a liar and the father of all liars, there is a way out. There is an alternate course. I know a God that can make a way where there seems to be no way. And though you may feel like you're stuck and there's no way out, I've come to tell you, God, hallelujah, can make a way like he did the children of Israel as they came up to the Red Sea and he made a way and the waters rolled back. I don't know what obstacle you may be facing, but I've come to tell you, there is a way out. There is a way out. You're not stuck. But if the enemy can convince us that we're stuck, then we'll wander because we don't know what to do. We just we go around in circles and we look for a way out. Have you ever gotten one of those maze, corn mazes or whatever? And you go and you, no, that's not it. No. No. You can't. You're wandering. Why? Because you don't know the way out. You know the wonderful thing about the Word of God? He gives you clarity of judgment. And all of a sudden you can see things clearly. Where the enemy tried to make it look like that person was your friend, you realize that's a temptation. You realize that's a trap. You realize that's not the right place to go. We need to rediscover the wander. The enemy wants you to just wander around and waste your life. But God said, I got a calling for you. I got a destiny for you. I got a plan for you. I've got purpose for your life. You're not just here to mark time. You're not just another number. You were created in the image of God. You're the apple of his eye. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. You're a child of God. The other thing that makes us wander is curiosity. We wander around when we're curious. I wonder what it would taste like. I wonder what that would feel like. I wonder what I would do, how that would... I want to... Oh, the experience. No, there's something you're better off being ignorant of. There's some things you're better off not even knowing. I'm so thankful I was raised in a family that shielded me from a lot of stuff. You don't need to know everything. Some things you need to know will kill you. You're better off not knowing. The other day my, my daughter was talking about Sophia. She's 10 years old. She's talking about our cat, Daisy. Daisy's a big fluff ball that lives in our house. And uh, she has a very unusual meow. 
it's like she doesn't want to put forth the energy to have a full meow. Does it's not like that. It's like it's like not a real meow. And so my daughter Sophia was describing Daisy, and she said, Daisy cried out and she meowed, but it sounded like she was like she had just smoked a six pack. And we said, Sophia, you don't smoke a six-pack. You may drink a six-pack, but you don't smoke a six-pack. And she said, what do I know? I'm a preacher's kid. And besides, I was homeschooled. <laughs> I was telling my friend about that on Friday, pastor's down in Fort Lauderdale. And he said... Well, then how many, how many cigarettes are, how many is in a package? I, and I said, 10. And he said, are you sure? I said, well, Google it. Ask Siri. I don't know. I think it's 10. And he Googled it and it said 20. And he looked at me and I said, what do I know? I'm a preacher. <laughs> I'm glad there's some stuff I'm ignorant on. All my life, I've had friends that say, oh man, you must have been raised in a bubble. I wasn't raised in a bubble, but I'm thankful there were some barriers. I'm thankful there's some things I still can't get my brain around, and I hope I never do. But when I think of the goodness of Jesus, oh, hallelujah. Come on, you can be curious and it'll kill you. Or you can say, I know that I know that I know that my God is my Savior. Oh, I got to hurry. Jesus was in the wilderness, but he did not wander. He was tempted, he was weak, but he responded correctly when the enemy came after him. The children of Israel was a different story. They'll put that map up there. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. It was never the intention of God to make the children of Israel wander for 40 years in that wilderness. If you look at that little dotted line that's up there just under where it says Great Sea, which is the Mediterranean at the top, that there was the caravan routes. Went back and forth, the land of the Philistines. And the land of Goshen over there on your left is where they started. That's right there in Egypt where all those little rivers are going up. Or coming down, rather. I guess the Nile runs north, so they are going up. But there's where that route was as it goes around the Great Sea. And then there's Noma a little bit further south towards Shur, Beersheba, and so forth. The red dotted line is where the children of Israel. Now you talk about wandering. They come over down there in Middal where they cross the Red Sea. And they come down here in Mount Sinai and they go back up here and they go around here and back over here. Back down there and back up here and over here and back down here and back there. For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. But Jesus went into the wilderness too, but he was only there for 40 days. Now there's a big difference between 40 days and 40 years. They both went into the wilderness. But one group wandered and Jesus didn't. One of the reasons the children of Israel wandered is that every time they were faced with a decision that required faith and trust, they went backwards. They did. They not only went backwards, they looked backwards. 
Now, it's no doubt that they were in a difficult place. I grant that. They had left their homes. They were in the wilderness. They were in wild, difficult terrain. They call it a wilderness for a reason. It is wild. They're in some intense heat. They're not sure of their future. Everything that they have, where they stay, where they live, where they worship, it's all temporary. And I know that the Bible says that they grumbled a lot. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty sure I would have grumbled a lot too. Where are we going now? And if it wasn't me, it would have at least been my wife. She would have grumbled, I can tell you right now. Because if I venture off from what the GPS says for just a half a block, she'll say, where are we going? I say, we're exploring. I don't want to explore. Stay on the route. Can you imagine three to five million people? Where are we going now? I don't know. Go ask Moses. He's about 10 miles up front there. I can't get to Moses. I'm going to ask you, where are we going? We're following that cloud. Have you ever tried to follow a cloud? I mean, I've read about them children of Israel and just had so much disdain for them. And people didn't believe God. And then I started studying it recently and I thought, I'm pretty sure I'd have been right up in the middle of all that. We need a better plan. I, I don't even like when the construction's delayed a couple of weeks. Much less 40 years in a wilderness following a cloud. Before we get all high and mighty, we need to realize they were human beings just like us. But now there's some mistakes they made that I think we could avoid. The first thing that they did that you and I can avoid is that they kept looking backwards. Folks, you can't get to where God's trying to bring you if you're looking back the whole time. Oh, I wish I had a better childhood. I wish I'd had a better mom and dad. I wish I hadn't had to go through that. I wish I, I didn't get a good shake in life. I don't know why. You've got to look forward. Your identity is not based on your past. It's based on your future. I'm not who the world thinks I am. I'm not even who I think I am. I am who God says I am. I'm a child of God. I'm an overcomer. Oh, you got to look forward. Have you ever tried to look backward and drive? Now, don't try this unless you got a big <laughs> parking lot. You try to drive a car, go slow, and drive it forward like this. Can I tell you what's going to happen? You're going to wander. Because you can't go forward looking backward. But we don't like not knowing where we're going. This is why death scares us so much. This is why Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house and me manage it where I saw. I told you I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. Why did he say all of that? In the book of John. Why did he say all of that? Because he was saying, I know you're concerned about what happens after this life. But you got to trust me. I got a place prepared for you. 
Just keep going forward. It's going to be all right. That's why you can live your whole life for the Lord. And you've never wasted one time you were in church. One time you were in a prayer meeting. One time you sacrificed. It's not ever going to be wasted. Because there is a path for you. So Jesus wants to give us peace with our future. But because it's still an unknown in our humanity, it's scary. The problem the children of Israel had right out of the gate was that they kept looking backward. Well, if we'd gone back to Egypt, well, if we did Egypt, 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 Egypt. Instead of saying, how do we get to a Goshen? How do we get to the land of promise? Where do we, how do we, what's the best path? Is this the, let's, let's head straight to the promised land. They wandered around because they kept looking back. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if you could see what God has ahead for you. Don't let the devil steal your future by you looking back your whole life. And unless you focus forward, you will wander. But now look how Jesus handled it. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now notice that. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Both the children of Israel and Jesus were led into the wilderness by God. It wasn't an accident that they went into the wilderness. They were led. So the very fact that you and I are in a wilderness does not necessarily mean that we are out of God's will. The wandering is not because of the wilderness. The wandering is because of how we react to the wilderness. There's a big difference. You and I are going to go through some valleys. We're going to go through some dry places in life. Not everything's going to be hilltop. Not everything's going to be lilies. Not everything's going to be sunshine. There's going to be some dark days. But if you and I can respond right, we don't have to wander in the wilderness. See, the children of Israel wandered. They were led there. God brought them there. But he brought them there to bring them out. I love that place in the Bible where it says over and over again, and it came to pass. There's things that come into your life, but they come to pass. Don't let them set up camp. Come on, some stuff that comes into your life, just let it come and let it pass. Mm. I know I'm in a wilderness, but I'm not going to have a wilderness mentality. I'm going to get through this wilderness, and I'm not going to wander. I'm not going to stay down in the dumps. I'm going to come up out of this thing because God is still on the throne. And I'm His child, and I've got His Spirit, and I shall overcome. Verse 3, and the devil said unto him, now watch this. This is key. If thou be the Son of God. He goes in the wilderness, the enemy starts to tempt him. He tempts him now as he's fasting these 40 days. He knows he's weak in his flesh. And he says, if thou be the son of God. First thing he does is question his identity. Now watch this, this is important. If the enemy can take your identity, he can make you wander. If the enemy can take your identity... He can make you wander. Christopher McCandless started wandering when he changed his identity. He burned his identity and took on the identity of Alexander Supertramp. He became what he identified himself as. 
Their children of Israel struggled with their identity. When they got up there close to going in the promised land, they sent 12 spies. They came back and they go, we can't take the land. There's giants in the land. And we are as grasshoppers in our sight. They don't say in the sight of the giants because the giants didn't see it. But they said in our sight, we are as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as little bits of nothing. That's how the enemy wants you to feel. He wants to take away your identity, that you're a child of God, that you're joint heirs with Him, that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, yea, they become the sons of God. He wants to take that identity away and try to identify you as a sinner, as a loser, as a repeat offender, and try to convince you that you are nothing and that you can never overcome. You need to tell the devil he's not in charge of your identity. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. I shall overcome. Now i got to hurry. When the enemy questioned the identity of Jesus, what did Jesus do? He took him to the Word. Now that's important because he took him to an objective standard. It's important to have an objective standard that you get your identity from, not your feelings. Because your feelings will say, I'm great, I'm horrible, I'm great, I'm horrible. That's humanity. We're emotional creatures. You can have a tremendous service. We can shout and run the aisles today. And tomorrow you can get hit with something and just feel like you're going to run over by a magic bus. <laughs> but if I stay with the book, I got an objective standard. <laughs> Even if I'm not always feeling it. I got the Bible that says I'm going to make it. Hallelujah. Even when I don't feel like I can, the Word of God says I can. For I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not height, not depth. No principality, no power. There's nothing in this world or in the other world that can stop you and I from being a part of the love of God. There's nothing that can set. There's no circumstance. There's no emotional, no feeling. I've got an objective standard. The Word says it. The Word of God says I'm the head and not the tail. It don't matter what the enemy does to you. Don't get your identity from the enemy. Get your identity from the Word. I have a calling. I've got a destiny. I've got a purpose. God's got a plan for my life. I'm just another number down here. I'm not just another victim. Come on, somebody. You've got to get a determination that God's got a plan for your life. Mm. You can lock into that. This is what the Word says then you realize that your future will define your identity and not your past. Verse 5, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He tried to get him off track by taking him to a high place. Sometimes it'll look like the wicked prosper and do better than you, and you're trying to serve God. And he says, Oh, if you'll give it all up, I'll take you to a high place. I'll make you something. You'll be somebody. You'll be another victim is what you'll be. Another victim of sin. Another discarded body on the heap of wrong choices and wrong decisions. Devil's not your friend and sin is not your companion. It wants to destroy you and I. 
But I got a God, hallelujah, that's trying to pull me into my future. He's trying to pull you into your calling. He's trying to pull you into your destiny. And the devil said unto him, verse 6, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever will I give it. He tried to seduce him with power. It wasn't even a true statement. He's like, I got all this power, and I can give it to you if I want to. Guess what? He had it without you. He had more than you. And everything that you have is temporary. That's why the devil worked 24-7, because he knows his time is limited. Somebody said, when the devil tries to remind you of your past, you need to remind him of his future. Come on, somebody. You're not a victim. I can't believe the devil, the devil, the devil. Forget the devil. You've got God on your side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Oh, I feel the boldness of the Holy Ghost. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He tried to seduce him with this false power. It was not real. It was a mirage. The whole thing's a mirage. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no magic bus. There is no shortcut. That's what makes you wander because you keep trying to find a shortcut. Well, I'll just do it this way. I, I appreciate all them Pentecostals down there, but there ain't no reason them to have all them things that they do and all them disciplines and, and they do this and they can go to church 25 times a week. I don't think all oh, that's necessary. My God, baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. I don't think, I'll just do it my way. My way is a, I just do it once in a while when I feel like I need it and blah, blah. There's no shortcut. I said there's no shortcut. There's no magic bus. That magic bus became his coffin. That magic bus became his burial plot sister came out there and wandered out there found the magic bus took his body and burned and took the ashes in her backpack and took it back to Virginia because he put his life in the hands of a magic bus there is no shortcut there is no magic bus you and I you've got to totally surrender your life to God if you try to do it with face facing and chasing all of these shortcuts, guess what you do? You do what the children of Israel do. You just wander, wander, wander. Because you say, oh, there, I think I, that's shorter now. I'm going to go over here now. That's short. That's how, how many of you ever tried to take a shortcut and you end up going twice as far? I have. That's when my wife is right. But the GPS says to stay on the interstate. Yeah, but I know a shortcut. An hour later, we're back trying to find the interstate. <laughs> Them shortcuts will make you wander. People are always trying to find a spiritual shortcut. Well, I think it's good to have God in your life, but I don't think you need to be a fanatic. A little dab will do you. Ooh, them Pentecostals, they give it everything they got. They're crazy. We'll tell you why we're crazy. Because we found there's no life like totally surrendering to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Verse 8, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Sometimes you got to just get real. Sometimes you just got to get clarity in your thinking, and you got to understand that those things that you think are your friends are going to destroy you. Those thoughts that you have coming up in your head are going to destroy you. That temptation that's coming at you is not your friend. The children of Israel took the bait of temptation, made an idol, made a golden calf, and they worshipped it while Moses was up there on Mount Sinai. But Jesus reacted differently. He said, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Let me say this. This is another important point for you to get. Your path is determined by what you worship. Your path is determined by what you worship. If you think all them Hollywood people are so wonderful and you got to buy all them magazines, read all about all their junk that's going on, then guess what? You're going to try to match your lifestyle to them. You're going to try to live like them. You're going to try to act like them. You're going to emulate them because that's what you're worshiping. If you're worshiping all these sports stars, you got all their jerseys and all that, blah, 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 and you're going to be just like them, you're going to be the next LeBron James, and that's all you can think about, LeBron, 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 then guess what? You're going to be like LeBron. I like sports, and I like to watch a movie, but I don't worship that garbage. You can't worship the creature more than the creator. If you do, you're going to wander. You've got to fall in love with what matters. This right here is what matters. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You got to make up in your mind, I'm only going to worship the Lord. Then I got the right path. Then I'm on the right track. Your path is determined by what you worship. You got to worship His will over your will. If you worship comfort and convenience over commitment and consecration, you will wander. If you worship the creature more than the creator, you will wander. If you worship your will over God's will, you will wander. Because what you worship is what you will obey. We'll say it again. What you worship is what you will obey. Jesus kept the focus on the word. <laughs> the devil had all kinds of stuff he was throwing at him. He just kept taking him back to the word. I'm going to stick with the word. Even when I don't understand it or how it fits to my situation. I'm going to stay with the book. Because I'm not going to wander in this wilderness. I'm going to go through it, but I'm going to come out of it. Because I got my GPS right here. It's called the Word of God. I'm going through a drought season, but I'm not going to die in this magic bus. I'm coming out of this place. I'm going to cross over Jordan. I'm going to get back on track because God has given me direction and guidance. And I shall overcome. Verse 9, he brought him to Jerusalem. The devil's still trying to get him off track, trying to get him to wander. Brought him to Jerusalem. Set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, now you've got the devil quoting scripture. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto them, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He was saying, Devil, you're not going to control the narrative. 
You are not going to get me off course by trying to use the word against me. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes a strange doctrine can be your worst enemy. Because the devil comes as an angel of light, wants to put a big bow on something and take you up to the temple and take you to Jerusalem and quote scripture at you. The very thing that was given to the children of Israel for their protection, they begin to see as their problem. Ladies and gentlemen, your problem is not the church. Your problem is not the word of God. That's what God has given us. So that we don't wander in this world. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere. Come on, you've got to dig out them old songs once in a while and get some clarity. Come on, I may be going through a battle. I may be going through a trial. But my God is going to see me through. You can stand to your feet. The very nature, the wild, the river, the things that Christopher was so infatuated with became his great greatest enemy. The very thing that he shunned, his family, is what would have saved him. Don't let the enemy get you off course by isolating you, taking you to Jerusalem, making you think you got some spiritual revelation that nobody else has. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. He wants you to wander. It's a trick of the enemy to get you to wander. But if you stay the course, look what will happen. Verse 13, and when the devil had ended all the temptation, he couldn't get a foothold. Because Jesus kept taking him back to the Word. He kept taking him back to that thing that gives us direction. Straightens our course. Gives us a clear path to our future. Finally, the devil just said, I'm out of here. The Bible said, he departed from him for a season. He's going to come back around some other way. He's going to have a new tactic. You don't have to have a new defense system. What destroyed him before is what will destroy him again. So if you and I can stay on track, the enemy will depart. We'll come through the wilderness without having to wander. The Bible said Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. It was the power of the Spirit. Got him through it. Gave him what he needed to get on track. Ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, it is the Spirit that gives us the clarity to navigate the wilderness. You will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's what he was trying to tell the disciples. They didn't know what to do. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued from The Spirit of God is going to come. And it's going to be an onboard guidance system. 
if you'll listen to it if you'll heed it you shall receive power why is it the spirit that turns the wander into wonder why is it the spirit that turns the pain into power why is it the spirit that turns the hungry into heavenly places because the spirit is the essence of a holy God same Jesus that came through the wilderness with the enemy tempting him without ever wandering without ever deviating from the course it's the same spirit that he's putting in men and women by the millions all over this world countless nations thousands of people being filled with the spirit people that have different languages people that have different lifestyles people that look different act different live on islands and in mountains and surrounded by different faiths and religions and the Holy Ghost comes in power of his spirit every single man and woman when they're filled with the Spirit of God the Bible says they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance that's the flesh saying I submit myself the most unruly member of the body the tongue is submitted to a heavenly language and we say Lord not my will but thy will be done I've tried to navigate on my own God but I need you Every head is bowed, every eye is closed in this building. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. God is speaking to us right now. Oh, I wonder if you'd just lift up your voice right now. Maybe if you're comfortable, lift up your hands. Would you just say, Lord, come into my heart right now. I'm asking you, Lord, to straighten the course. I'm asking you, Lord, to take the wander out of my life. Replace it with the wonder of your glory the wonder of your power the wonder of your spirit ladies and gentlemen the Holy Spirit is for every single individual if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit with the evidence the Bible says of speaking in tongues which is speaking words that you don't understand God will fill you with that right now would you step out from where you're standing right now? If you've never had that experience, would you come down to this altar? I believe God wants to fill a number of people right now. Come on. He wants to straighten your path right now. Come on. You've been wandering way too long. God's got something for you. His Spirit is going to bring you out of the wilderness. Come on. I'm coming in the power of the Holy Spirit. The same God that kept me through all of those things in my path is the same God that's going to be the finisher of my faith he's got a call come on God's talking to some people right now he's got a calling for you he's gonna bring you out he's gonna make a way where there seems to be no way maybe years ago you had that experience but you feel like God's causing you to rediscover that he's got something greater why don't you step out right now come on God said I'm gonna give you a double portion I want to renew you right now. I'm not going to wander any longer. 
I'm going to come right now to this altar. Come on, God's going to do his work. I'm coming down right now and I'm saying, God, I've been going through a wilderness, but I'm going to come out of it. You got a path. You got a plan. You called me for a greater purpose. You've not saved me just to mark time to go from one battle to the next. You got something greater. You got something bigger. Come on, I'm going to walk into that calling. I'm going to walk into that destiny. Bye. 